got a secret weapon for you that's going to skyrocket your sales without the unnecessary headaches that come along with using one of the big player CRM systems. That secret weapon is Close CRM. Now let's face it, we've all been there. We've used a clunky, confusing system that kind of makes you want to throw your laptop out the window. Well, fear not, Close is here to save your time, money, and sanity. Close has all of the powerful sales tools you need, minus the drama, to manage your leads, track your deals, and crush your targets effortlessly. It has calling, emailing, SMS, multi-channel sequences, and it even has meeting tracking built right in. It's easy to set up and implement. You can stop screwing around with CRMs that aren't built for you and start selling and managing customers today. You can start a free trial using the link in the show notes, special for SSP fans. I wanted to share a tool that I started using recently, and if you're doing any prospecting or lead sourcing from LinkedIn, it's definitely worth checking out. The tool is called Surf, and it's spelled S-U-R-F-E. It's a Chrome extension that allows you to add contacts to your CRM directly from LinkedIn. I use it to add contacts quickly, follow my deals, keep track of my notes, and it's actually saved me a bunch of time. The data is always 100% accurate because I don't have to copy and paste each detail from each contact over to my CRM. Instead, Surf does it all for me automatically with just one click. Now, the folks over at Surf have been kind enough to put together a promo offer for fans of SSP. You can go to the link in the show notes and use the promo code JWSURF with an E5 for a 5% discount on your first year. Check out the link in the show notes and go check them out. What's going on, SaaS sales players? It's Friday afternoon, and I thought I'd just open a mic up right now and muse for a while. It's been a long time since I've done that. I've had a lot of guests, and there's been a just massive influx of interested parties in coming on the show. And I know I just did a full episode series on closing your first six-figure deal in SaaS, and I actually wanted to follow on with sort of a bonus to that series. And that's what I think I'll spend today talking about. But yeah, this is all kind of off the cuff, unscripted. And I realize it's been a long time since I just sort of told stories uh, from my own career here in, in tech. And I think stories are helpful right now because it's just really tough out there. It's July 2023, if you're listening to this in real time. It's probably been a really slow month, slow quarter. But it's been a tough year overall, and I think this quarter has been especially quiet. That's usually to be expected, especially in the summertime. I mean, we're at the end of July. Most people are taking their final vacation before their kids go back to school. And so it's just a really tough time to be trying to close deals. Doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Doesn't mean you shouldn't try to build pipeline, especially because I'm actually a believer that August is one of the best months to sell because people are coming back into the office and they want to make a you know big decision or they want to drive things along. So keep at it out there. But um, as I said, I wanted to, to tack on to that closing your first six-figure deal series with a story from my own career about my first six-figure SaaS deal that I closed. And this was a few years ago, but I want to try to re uh, recall all the details as best as possible and just, I don't know, give like a play-by-play -play of how it all came about. And uh, I, yeah, some of the details are a little bit hazy because it was a while back and I'm not going to share the name of the company that I closed the deal with. This company uh, isn't super well-known anyway, so it's not like it's a household name brand. I have done some deals with some logos that you probably do know. Uh, you might own some of their products or use some of their services and I can talk about those on another episode. And at this point, you know, some of those have enough time has elapsed that 
I don't think it would be a big deal if I was super specific about those companies on the, on the air here. But in this case, I'm not going to mention the name of this company. So let me go back to, I'm going to set the stage for why this was important. This was an important deal in my career for a couple of reasons. And here's what's funny about this one is the deal size of the proposal was exactly $100,000. I kid you not, that's pretty rare to have it round out or to build a proposal that's like a, an even number like that. Usually, especially if you're like a usage-based SaaS or if you're seat-based, it's going to you know have some kind of funky number like 105,500 per year or something. And a lot of SaaS out there are MRR based. So you're basing it on the monthly, uh, you know, revenue that's going to come from the deal. In this case, I literally put together a proposal for $100,000 even. And that was my first six figure deal. So uh, this was important again, because this was my first foray into an enterprise account executive role. And I had not yet closed a deal of that size. I'd come kind of close to that in some other deals. Uh, I'd done a lot of five-figure deals uh, at that point, but I had not yet closed my first six-figure deal. This was about 10 months into an enterprise AE role. And I had really struggled. The, the timing of this start for this role that I was in was a little bit difficult. Uh, economically speaking, it was a challenging time to come in and it had taken me longer than I wanted to, to ramp up. And I've learned a lot from that experience. Actually, I think about it all the time, especially in starting roles since then, I've really focused on trying to ramp quickly. Cause I think it's one of the signs that you're going to be successful long-term, not always, but I think it's important to have a plan coming into a new AE role or a new SDR role or whatever you're going into. Uh, it's really important to have like a 90 day success plan. And I didn't have that for this role. So I was just kind of going by what other reps had done. And, you know, I think about eight months elapsed and believe it or not, I had not yet closed a deal. Why this was so significant was I had actually had, you know, a few weeks prior, a pretty tough conversation with my manager about not delivering. Again, there was some sympathy at the time because of some economic conditions and some uncertainty and some things like that, but it was a tough conversation. And I was pretty worried about being able to keep my job. And it was frustrating because I had a lot of conversations going. I was just not moving anybody to signature. So long story short, I actually ended up closing a smaller deal that was like a proof of concept that kind of got me on the board. And then this deal came right after that and it was for a, you know, whopping a hundred thousand dollars. And I think at the time between those two deals, it took me to my quarterly quota. I'm pretty sure it did. Uh, it took me to my qu quarterly quota for, for that quarter. So, uh, let's talk about the specific deal. And so again, you know, have that context that like, not only was this my first six figure deal, but I was also coming out of a really tough conversation pretty recently before, before signing this one about performance and ability to deliver. So my reason in telling you that is don't give up, don't throw in the towel until, you know, just don't, don't throw in the towel at all. If you don't have to, you never know when you're going to get that one deal that comes into the pipe, that's going to change your trajectory. So you got to just keep your head up and keep moving. And it's really easy to feel like it's time. So I'll step back here and just say, at that time, I, I was thinking I probably ought to start looking for another job. Now, the challenge would have been, how do I explain eight months 
at a company with no results. So one of the conundrums in this business is you really have to have a good story if you're going to leave a company, especially right now, because it's such a difficult hiring market that you've got to have a good reason for making a change. And you've got to have a pretty good story because there's just so few at-bats at this point. This wasn't necessarily the case back when this happened, but I still wanted to make sure I had a really good story to explain why I'd stayed for eight or nine months at a company. That said, I didn't end up leaving the company, by the way. I ended up being really successful. And so this started with this first six-figure deal. And then after that deal, um, I closed several others that were similar in size. And I ultimately closed one that was significantly greater that ended up being the largest deal I've closed in my career to date. So yeah, let's talk about this specific deal. It was a, it was an education company. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, they were focused on, you know, the education space and I'm trying to remember if it was an inbound lead. I'll be honest. It probably was an inbound lead. I don't remember actively prospecting this company. If it wasn't an inbound, it might've come from a partnership channel because at the time this company I was with had a pretty good partner program where we were getting referrals and intros all the time. So it might've been a partner intro. I honestly don't remember where the lead came from. I know I got connected with a you know prospect, a specific individual on the team. And I honestly don't remember what his role was. He ended up becoming a champion, but his, his role was more like, like analysis. He was gathering info and coordinating on the project. And here's what made this deal kind of interesting was he first like sent over this big questionnaire and this is pretty common in enterprise sales. You'll see, uh, you know, a questionnaire that has a bunch of requirement gathering. And I remember taking a bunch of time to fill that out. I got some help on that. And that's always, you know, that, that was a theme in the series that, uh, that I put out a few weeks ago was, you're not usually going to close a six figure deal on your own. You usually got to have some help. And so I got some help from our technical team and our leadership team and got that questionnaire submitted. This is boring shit, by the way, this is the part of enterprise sales that you might, if you're not doing it right now, you might not be aware that a big part of the job is like filling out paperwork, whether that's like an RFP or a spreadsheet or some kind of long questionnaire that's built in Excel. Like that's a big part of the job that a lot of people don't realize. And Sometimes, especially if you're in an early company, you have to do that all yourself. Bigger companies might have a bunch of resources like pre-sales engineers and things like that that can help fill that in, but a lot of companies don't have that. It can be kind of frustrating. Anyway, fill out this big, long questionnaire. What I remember next about the deal cycle was, so they were looking for a vendor like what we offered. Not exactly, to be honest, but they were looking for somebody, uh, you know, they were looking for a, a solution and they had their whole project mapped out in this Excel sheet and they had all the requirements and I started going through that and responding to their questions. And then the next thing I remember is we got introduced to like this just huge group of people. Like I remember jumping on a Zoom call and there was probably like 25 people on the Zoom. I'm not kidding. And this, I was relatively new at the time to presenting to groups that size. And it was a little intimidating because you can't even see everybody. You know, when you have 25 people on a Zoom, it's it starts to blur. You don't even know who's out there. It's like tough to manage both screen sharing for a demo while also making sure you know who's asking the question that you're hearing. And, you know, you might have people that are unmuted and they're talking in the background. So it's like, it's a lot. And a learning from that is it's really good to sync up with the champion or the person that's coordinating something like that 
it makes sure you have a really good idea of what the context of the call is. So you don't just show up to a demo thinking it's going to be three or four people and it's 25 people. So lesson learned there for me was after that, I started getting into a really good habit of like setting the agenda with my main point of contact before every call and then really trying to understand who was involved. And by the way, you might be asking like, how come you didn't look at the calendar invite and see 25 people on it? It actually was like one of those things where I think they probably shared the Zoom link in their internal chat. So only like four or five people accepted the invite, but there was like 25 people on the call. So they must've shared it internally somewhere. It wasn't, they hadn't added all those people to the invite. It was more of a like, hey, this guy's gonna give us a demo. So here's the link, jump on. And suddenly there was 25 people sitting on a Zoom call and a bunch of them were asking questions. It was people from like marketing. It was people from the digital team. It was IT. The, the guy who managed their networking and phone systems was on the call and the VP of marketing was on the call suddenly. So again, lesson learned there is like, you do want to make sure you have a, a, you know, an agenda and that you're working closely with your point of contact to set the right expectations and make sure that you've managed the process better. But also, you know, lesson from that is that it takes a village in some of these companies, uh, even for a hundred thousand dollar flat deal, there was still a lot of people involved in the project. Now, just imagine if you're closing a seven figure or an eight figure deal, think of all the people that have to be involved. And again, I don't think you want to have them all on one call. A lot of times that takes place over lots of meetings, lots of back and forth, sort of asynchronous conversation through texting, through, you know, email, whatever that is. But um, yeah, that was kind of the first thing as we did like this overview demo. And then what I remember from there is there was like a lot of back and forth. I know at some point I ended up getting connected to, I think he was their CIO, chief information officer. He might've been the COO. I don't remember. Anyway, we actually hit it off really quickly because I found out that he was from the same hometown that my old man's from, which it's small world. And that it's a small town too, by the way. So the odds of meeting another person from that town, I don't even know how that, how does something like that come up in a conversation? I honestly don't know. Uh, I think he had gone to a college in that area and I made the connection somehow, but obviously that built a really great rapport between the two of us. I got his cell phone. And so when you're texting back and forth with the CIO of the company, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was the CIO. He might've been like the VP of IT, doesn't matter, but he was pretty high up. He was the executive sponsor of the project. So once we got to that point, it got really easy to start having budgetary conversations. I shouldn't say easy, but it got it was very accessible to set up a, a budgetary conversation. So after we had, you know, I think a series of demos, we had the one big one. And then I remember breaking out into smaller groups in the weeks to come. And we had like an IT session where we brought in one of our technical team members and had a, you know, much more in-depth conversation. And then we got, had like a pricing proposal conversation. And I, that must be how we got to the hundred thousand dollar was we were just, putting proposals out there. And I, if I remember right, I gave them like a good, better, best. So it was like, Hey, and at the time this product was usage based. So it was like, Hey, here's this much usage per year, this much usage or this much usage. There was three different options. They ended up selecting the flat hundred thousand dollar one. And yeah, we put together like a slide deck with a proposal. I know I brought my manager to that call. We reviewed everything, shipped it over. And what I don't remember, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head now is like, did they, did they email back and just say like, yes, we're moving forward. Here's what I do know happened next. 
at some point they either went quiet on me or they came back to me and said, you know what? Never mind. This isn't going to work for our requirements. And so it was after all this, it was, this is probably several months. I mean, we started the evaluation like in the spring and this would have been in the summertime. And after all these back and forth meetings and proposals and, you know, hanging out with the CIO or, you know, not literally hanging out, but talking to the CIO on the phone, we get this note back from the main contact there. And it's like, oh, you know what? We realized uh, this isn't going to be a fit for our tech. It's not going to work with this other system that we have in place. And we're married to that system. So we're not going to, we're not going to try to add in complexity to our stack. So thanks for your time, but we're not moving in the right direction. And this is where I learned a really important yeah, we're not, they weren't going to move forward with us is basically what the email that I got was. And this is where I learned a really important lesson in enterprise selling. The most significant deals that you're going to close in your selling career, you've got to lose those two or three times before you win them. And I didn't know what that meant when I first heard it. A manager of mine had said that. In fact, it was the manager I was working with at this time. He said, you know, you got to lose these deals two or three times before you win them. There's like always going to be some big major obstacle that you have to keep jumping over in order to get a deal like this done. And in this case, we thought we'd lost it. I was ready to just say, let's move on. And I reviewed the deal with my leadership team. And what we decided was like, let's try to go back one more time and just see what's going on here. Anyway, fast forward a couple of weeks, we had like, a, we had a call with their tech team who gave us that same info, which was like, Hey, this isn't going to integrate with our stack. And so let's just not waste each other's time. We're going to go in another direction. And, I'm trying to remember what happened next, but randomly, like out of the blue, they just came back and they said, you know what? We changed our minds again. And we're realizing that we do need this. And this is a perfect fit based on our requirements. And again, we had given them a bunch of requirements. We'd fill out all these spreadsheets. So much time got invested in this deal. And so then they came back and they decided to move forward. And so they just said, you know, send over the order form for a hundred grand. And I think it was probably signed within like a week or two of them asking for it. So yeah, I learned a lot. Hopefully that was like a concise, clear story about closing a, my first six figure deal. I know I left a lot of detail out. I'm probably downplaying how many meetings and back and forth conversations happened, but I'm trying to give an overview of what it takes. And I think the process is even harder now in 2023 to close a significant deal. And you might be listening to this thinking 100K is nothing, right? Depending on what your product is or what your experience level is, 100K may not be that significant to you. You're probably trying to close seven-figure deals, eight-figure deals. But for those, out, uh, for those of you out there who are trying to close your first six-figure deal, just know that it's, it's even tougher in today's economy. And there's a lot that goes into it. You are the project manager. You're, the, you're in charge of kind of running point on the project. And you've got to keep pushing and pushing and you're going to lose the deal a few times before you win it. There's going to be these big blockers that feel like they're insurmountable. But if you can figure out a way around those, you'll win the deal. So hope that helps someone out there who's in the thick of it. These deals can take up a lot of bandwidth, both, you know, mentally and they can eat into your personal life. Don't let it, don't let that happen. You know, stay healthy, stay sane, but these are worth it. They're a huge opportunity for your career. So thanks for listening. 